The following is a Hoop Bowl presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Welcome to a new week of Fantasy NBA Today, everybody. Dan Basper is here with you. A lot of things to cover today, so we're going to try to be as efficient as humanly possible. I am at Dan Bespris on Twitter. For those that aren't following me yet, please do so. D-A-N-B, that's as in boy. E-S, that's as in Sam. B again, R-I-S, again, at Dan Bespris on Twitter. This is, of course, a hoop ball presentation at Hoop Ball Fantasy on Twitter. Hawaiian Isles Kona Coffee also bringing you this good stuff. Hawaiian Isles Kona Coffee. Website is hawaiianisles.com. I honestly don't know how you could go to their website and not end up with something. Just the gorgeous Hawaiian sunset. Rich cup of joe. Classic vanilla macadamia. Single serve. The K-Cups. Those things are so hot. Value bags. 24 ounces. If you want to go big, go big or go home. Kona roasts. Eight of them. H.I. Kona Coffee on Twitter. Hawaiian Isles if you want to get it on Amazon. Spend 35 bucks on Amazon. You can have that stuff delivered tomorrow. You can get a few of these guys for that price. Hawaiian Isles Kona Coffee Company, the title sponsor of all audiovisual entertainment here at hoop-ball.com. That's order business number one. Order business number two before we dive into the fantasy stuff is the draft guide, the Hoop Ball Premium Draft Guide. That's right. It's been a while, folks. We haven't sold you anything in a long time. The Hoop Ball Draft Guide comes out on Friday, ladies and gentlemen, Friday of this week. By my count, today is Monday. That is four days away. I think it's Friday at 12.01 a.m. Pacific time, but I'm not sure on that exactly. Sometime on Friday, I think it's the start of Friday, so it might be less than four days. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and presumably till Friday early morning. The draft guide. The draft guide, guys. I mean, it's just like you got to get it, man. It's going to be extremely affordable. I can already tell you right now, the sale price is 13 and that is just for a couple of days. It goes up, I believe, first thing next week. So just over the weekend, it's $13.99. It has 400 player profiles, mock drafts, 30-plus articles will be added over the course of this draft season, dynasty coverage, projections, format-specific rankings, tier reports, ADP tracking, Next-level analysis, and of course, the B-150 is added to the draft guide on October 7th. As always, two weeks before the start of the season, or a week and a half, excuse me, before the start of the season, you can get that in the draft guide. We also have a bunch of other stuff coming out as well on Friday, including access to our premium package. It's called Game Time Premium this year. The Pro Package, that's the draft guide and Game Time Premium together, which would normally be $44, it's $35. The B-150, early access. September 23rd, get the B-150. That's $27. Or you can get the Champions Package. That is the Draft Guide, the Game Time Premium Membership, 
and the early B-150 access for 45 bucks. That is, by the way, I can do the math on this. Normally, let's see here, it'd be uh, 14 plus 30, that'd be 44 plus another 10. Normally, that'd be 54, so that's nine bucks off also. All of this stuff will be available on Friday of this week. It's time for the one time a year you guys get your wallet out here at Hoopball. This will, you're paying a little bit up front, and by a little bit, I mean really a little bit, especially if you're only getting the draft guide for 14 bucks, for a lot of it over the next couple of months, and you set yourself up to win hopefully a lot more than that in your fantasy leagues. Draft guide, Hoopball draft guide, Mike Passador, Aaron Bruski, of course. The Pride and Joy, Eric Ong, among so many others. The baby of hoop ball coming out Friday, the 23rd at 12.01 a.m. Pacific time. Big deal. That's a big, big deal. I'm going to be mentioning that all week long here on the show. Uh, thank you to all of you that came uh, in my direction with requests to work here at hoop ball. Recruiting season continues. If you want to learn how to blurb, hit me up on Twitter, at Dan Bespris. If you want to get a... You want to do a podcast? Hit me up. If you want to learn how, hit me up at Dan Vespers. Easy enough, right? Easy enough. Let's dive in. Um, so our Friday show, Aaron, or excuse me, uh, Adrian and Coach recorded before the Boogie Cousins news broke. They uh, recorded that about a day and a half in advance. Of course, the Boogie news broke on, I believe it was Thursday morning. So unfortunately, our Friday show had already been into the hopper, which means that sadly falls on me, which... I'm sad about because as, you know, one of the resident Lakers guys here at Hoopball, pragmatic Laker fan, I'm really upset about this. I, I I was firmly in the camp of folks that believed that DeMarcus Cousins was one of the primo keys to the Lakers 2019-2020 NBA campaign. He was, and this is, again, I, I mentioned this on a, a Clippers podcast with Brandon Marcus last week. He, this is a very remedial way of looking at it, but with Boogie on the roster and healthy, and I mean, even if we're talking about like 80% of pre-multiple injury Boogie, the Lakers would have had arguably more advantages on the basketball court than disadvantages at almost any time against almost any team. That's the It's a remedial way to look at it, I know. It's a remedial way to look at how advantages work on a basketball court. But with Boogie, LeBron, and Anthony Davis, there were almost no other teams in the NBA that could say, we're better than you, Lakers, at three positions on the floor right now. Two, maybe. You know, Danny Green's pretty good, but let's be honest. Lakers point guard situation is not outstanding. Uh, depending on what position guys are playing, if you call LeBron the, the small forward and... Anthony Davis power forward and, and Boogie the center, and they're all out there at the same time. Maybe the Lakers are worse at point guard and shooting guard, but they're probably going to be better at the other three. What if they're playing a team like Denver that has a better center than Boogie Cousins? Well, the Lakers are going to be better at at least two of the other spots on the floor. And uh, what some might even argue three. So that was the beauty of Boogie Cousins, is that he gave the Lakers a third punch. He gave the Lakers a third punch. They were going to have three of the four or five best players in a game almost every time. Three of the top six, easy, no question. And that's gone. And there's no one out there that can replace that for the Lakers. Yes, there's going to be more JaVale McGee. 
yes, there's going to be more that falls on the shoulders of Kyle Kuzma, with Anthony Davis likely to, to be forced, basically, to play a few more center minutes. And, of course, my not-that-hot take going into all this season was the Lakers were going to have three center-eligible players on their roster that were all inside the top 100 at the end of the year. That's obviously not going to be the case anymore. I thought Anthony Davis would be top three, Boogie would be top 40, and JaVale McGee would be top 100. Well, this probably pushes JaVale McGee more towards top 75. Anthony Davis, he's going to be outstanding no matter what. And then we get news on Sunday that the Lakers might be meeting with Dwight Howard. Now, we have to take this with a grain of salt, and I posted a picture of myself being irritated on Twitter uh, at the idea of the Lakers even considering Dwight Howard. You know how how I feel about Dwight. On this podcast, I've made it abundantly clear that I think he is a net negative, almost no matter what situation you put him in. You throw him out there for 10 minutes against some team's second unit, I guess he could be fine, but there's no universe where Dwight Howard is comfortable in that role. He will cause a stink. He's not a different guy now than he was a year and a half ago. How many times do we have to hear that Dwight Howard has changed bull narrative before we just realize he's not... He's not the guy he was when he was young, where his skill could outweigh the fact that he was a pain in the ass on the basketball court and in the locker room. Now he's just a pain in the ass who's not that great anymore. The negatives far outweigh the positives. Uh, Lakers came out with a statement later on Sunday basically saying, look, you know, we're just doing our due diligence here. Nothing's set in stone. So they're trying to, they're trying to reel in the Dwight, Her- the Dwight Howard side of things, which, yes, probably the big news was put out by the Dwight camp because nothing raises your value more than saying the Lakers are considering signing you because uh, then someone's going to want to sign you just so that L.A. doesn't. Do I think Dwight Howard ends up with the Lakers? I don't. I don't think it happens. Uh, will I stop rooting for the Lakers if he does? No. But will I be insanely irritated every time I see him on the court and every time they show his confused but toothy grin on the sidelines, yeah, I'm going to be irritated. DeMarcus Cousins got a lot of bad publicity over the years because people in the Sacramento media wanted to sort of jettison the idea that he was one of their team leaders. Yet somehow, behind the scenes... Everybody loved him. That's what you need to know about these guys. What do the players think about guys? Do they want to play with them? The answer with Boogie was always yes. The answer with Dwight? Not much. Amir Johnson is a name I've seen thrown around by uh, some sharper Lakers fans. Uh, Joakim Noah, although he's got beef with Kurt Rambis as a possibility. I mean, I'd take a paper, a cardboard cutout of Jeannie Buss on the floor over Dwight Howard. Just anything but that dude around the Lakers all season long. He is, sorry guys, a born loser. He's a born loser. They're just guys that have that aura around them. It's not always guys that are kind of dickish like Dwight has been. Sometimes it's actually really good basketball players like uh, Chris Webber was sort of a born loser. So good, but every time the situation was ultra important, something horrible happened. Whether it was the Michigan stuff, whether it was the severe playoff injuries at the NBA level, 
I thought T-Mac sort of fell into that category. Brilliant basketball player, but just had that that snake bit thing going on. And then Dwight Howard has that, but he's also a, a pill. He's, he's the double whammy. Born loser and born pain in the butt. So anyway, that's where things sit on that front. Fantasy value, uh, JaVale McGee gets an obvious bump, which is a shame because uh, I was under the impression we could get him on the cheap when people figured he wasn't going to play that much, and I don't think people are going to figure that anymore. So it'll cost a little bit more. Our continuing tour of the NBA rumbles to the south. The Southwest, which is funny. Because, <laughs> uh, you know, is it really Southwest? It's Texas, effectively. Three teams in Texas, one team in Tennessee, one team in Louisiana. But it's basically Texas. Uh, and they call it the Southwest, uh, I, you know. I thought that was like Arizona, New Mexico, but I guess it extends uh, all the way to Memphis. Uh, the Rockets, the Spurs, the Grizzlies, the Pelicans, the Mavericks, we will be breaking down two of those five teams on today's podcast. Uh, we're also getting into mock draft season. Yahoo leagues are open, so if you want to start messing around with that, be my guest. We're also going to be opening hoop ball listener leagues here in the not-too-distant future, so stay tuned for that information. Uh, but we want to get through fantasy our, uh, draft guide release here later this week that's the news of this week let's start with san antonio because in my mind this was supposed to be one of the easier teams to break down and then i pulled them up uh as i was prepping to do today's podcast and i thought oh dan you idiot this isn't an easy team they had more changes than i think most of us realized i'll admit when at first when i said why don't i do san antonio today the first thing that popped into my head was well demar Derozan and lamarcus aldridge are still there so you know Easy enough. LaMarcus Aldridge, number 25 last year. He played 81 out of their 82 games and averaged 33 minutes a night. He's extremely durable. He has excellent percentages. He is not going to overwhelm you with any one statistical category. That is fantastic. But he's also one of those guys that falls into the does almost everything relatively well department, where the only spot he's hurting you is three-pointers. And in the modern NBA, I mean, there's so many guys out there that can get you a three. Now, DeMar DeRozan is an interesting test case because, like LaMarcus Aldridge, he's not really bad at anything besides three-pointers, but as a guy that's likely going to be filling up a guard position on your roster, it's a little bit more of a pain in the butt when your guard is not hitting a single three-pointer. And San Antonio basically backed him off of that. Remember, in Toronto, they were trying to spread the floor. They were trying to increase his range and change his game san antonio greg popovich was like look this is what you're good at go make a bunch of long twos and we'll figure this out the beauty part of these two guys is that they never change marcus aldridge has been in the league for 13 years demar Derozan for 10 uh demar is 30 as of 11 12 12 days ago lamarcus aldridge is actually getting up in there a little bit he's 34 I feel like that's going to surprise a lot of people. Surprised me when I read it. But he hasn't shown much, if any, of a drop-off. You know, he's still playing decent minutes. He's not Portland, the Marcus Aldridge. He's not going to score, you know, 23 
He's not going to get 11 rebounds and average almost two defensive stats per game, but he's not that far off of that mark, guys. In fact, this last season was statistically one of his best. Shot 52%, best of his career. 85% of the free throw line, that's well above his career mark, but among his career best. The blocks were right where they always are, just over one a game. Steals were down a little bit. I'm not too worried about that. Assists were up among his career highs. Rebounds were down ever so slightly, but that's because he's playing a little more power forward these days. I mean, there's nothing not to like about LaMarcus Aldridge, and there's no reason to think that his numbers are going to come off too hard because he's always been tough, plays through stuff. The example I'll always use is that last year in Portland where he tore a ligament in his wrist, and the... The Blazers basically, they put out a statement saying he was having season-ending surgery, and then he played two days later, skipped the surgery, and just toughed it out. It, by the way, it was brutal for those of us in fantasy because uh, he was dropped in a lot of spots. But he's just a tough nut, man. He's going to be out there if he can be out there. And the Spurs, by the way, are going to need him out there because at full almost strength last year, they won 48 games slipped into the playoffs, and it's going to take that to get in there again this year. And they were not good on the road last season. Now, I think DeJounte Murray's going to help. I think the loss of Davis Bertans is going to hurt them a little bit. And I, do I... Man, you know, you look at this team and you're trying to figure out exactly... <sighs> exactly what they've done to sort of shore up different spots on the floor. So the goal with our team breakdowns here is always to figure out who's going to end the season inside the top 100. And those two are obvious ones. I think they'll be pretty close to where they were last year. Not a, not a ton of reasons to shake that up. The other guys on this list that I think are worth looking over are DeJounte Murray, Derek White, Rudy Gay, and Jakob Pertl. Name that I think might surprise a few people. Oh, and Damari Carroll. Apologies. Apologies. We'll throw Damari Carroll into the mix. And let's start with him, since he was the last name we just brought up. Damari Carroll, during his best seasons in the NBA, have averaged 31, 32 minutes a game with the Atlanta Hawks. His age 27 and 28 seasons, that was about five years ago. A little bit more than that. And in those two years, he averaged 11 points and 12.5 points, about 5.5 rebounds, about 1.5 steals per game, not many blocks, little over 1.5 three-pointers between the two. His stat set was, believe it or not, never as good as I think people wanted us to believe it was. Two years ago in Brooklyn, his age 31 season, he averaged 30 minutes a game. That was when they desperately needed someone healthy on the wing. And he averaged 13.5 points, 6.5 rebounds, 1.2 combined steals and blocks with two three-pointers per game. He gets credited as being a 3-and-D guy. But this last year in Brooklyn, he averaged half a steal and .1 blocks per game in 25 minutes a night. He is not an old man squad guy. He's sort of the secret not old man squad guy because everything about... The aura surrounding Damari Carroll suggests that he should be a Dan Bespris kind of guy, but his actual fantasy game 
isn't very good. And really never has been. Outside of the one year, he averaged around 1.7 steals a game. And that floated a lot of other misshapen stuff. He doesn't shoot the ball well because a lot of his stuff is from downtown. He's not a good foul shooter at 74% for his career. He's averaging steals on the decline, blocks on the decline, rebounds will definitely be on the decline in San Antonio. I'm not into it. I don't think he's that safe last round pick you can flip in there because he's just not interesting. There's you know how a lot of these Dan Bespris old man squad guys, you say, well, there's not a whole lot of upside there. There's some upside. The upside with these old men in general is the ability to do a bunch of different things and not hurt you. Damari Carroll, yeah, maybe he doesn't hurt you, but he also doesn't do anything. So, nope. Outside looking in. DeJounte Murray and Derek White is a situation that does frighten me a little bit. I, I believe in Greg Popovich. I think he's going to find a way to get both of these guys out on the floor. Murray, who missed this entire most recent NBA season, was primed by most accounts, to be kind of a breakout guy. Because if he could get his minutes up around 30, which was the hope slash expectation, you were talking about a dude that could easily average about 2.4 combined steals and blocks per game. Uh, well, I'm not certain that either he or Derek White is going to see those amount of minutes. I'm not positive on either of them. Derek White, another interesting test case. He had some stretches this year where he was brilliant. He shot 48% from the floor. Doesn't take many three-pointers. Obviously, that's a thing that can keep it down. Rebounds very well for a guard. Passes well. Steals and blocks pretty decent. He and DeJounte Murray are both extremely interesting. I'm not willing to take a risk on picking either of them as early as they're probably going to go. Because you got to figure DeMar, or, uh, excuse me, DeMar DeRozan and LaMarcus Aldridge are going to see plenty of minutes. And then you've got all those other guys that I just listed. I think DeMar Carroll is probably going to play 20-something minutes a game. I think you're going to see Jakob Pertl play 20-something minutes a game. And to me, he's got an easier path than DeMar Carroll does. The one other guy that I think we can safely throw into the top 100 is Rudy Gay. Because he does have a really nice fantasy game. He gets you steals, he gets you blocks, some, not a ton. It's obviously way down from the prime of his career, but he shoots the ball exceptionally well. Good foul shooter, gets you a little over a three-pointer a game, rebounds, assists, doesn't turn the ball over. He's your nine-cat stud that's quietly doing so in you know 27 minutes off the bench. I think he's going to be good this year. I like Rudy Gay. Uh, I don't know where he's going to get drafted, but I like him. So he, to me, falls in. There are at least three guys here that fall inside the top 100. DeJounte Murray, Derek White, Jakob Pertl. Those are the three guys are question marks. Pertl started to play a bit more late last year, so his full season numbers are not going to reflect the kind of hope that I might have for him. Uh, but... Starting a little after the All-Star break, it was kind of like around the end of February where his minutes trended up into the mid-20s most nights. He became a pretty good rebounding and blocks guy. Now, he's not a good foul shooter, so you just sort of have to hope he doesn't get to the free throw line. But starting on February 27th, so basically the last month and a half of the year, uh, he had multiple games of three or more blocks. In fact, he had that five times in that stretch. So he was blocking shots. He had a pair of games where he blocked 
five. He will get you steals. And so that last month and a half was sort of a nice example of what I think San Antonio would like to do, and that's go a little bit bigger every once in a while. So you might see Pirtle, Aldridge, Gay, DeRozan, and then either Derek White or DeJounte Murray. You might see DeJounte Murray with the starting unit because he's more of a slasher, less of a scorer, and maybe you move Derek White to the second unit, let him do a little more shooting. You might move Rudy Gay into the second unit, shift DeMar DeRozan up to the three, play Murray and White together. The only good thing that you can say about this San Antonio roster is that when you get beyond those guys, the only people that are risking breaking in and doing stuff are like Patty Mills and Bryn Forbes. And I don't think you're going to see a ton of those dudes this year. I think they're going to get wedged out, provided White and Murray are healthy. How many of these guys inside end the year inside the top 100? I'm only going to say three with this team. I think it's just the main three, Rudy Gay being the third of them. I think Derek White, DeJounte Murray, Jakob Pertl are all sitting just outside that mark with Murray perhaps the easiest path because of his weird stat set. But there's going to be some problems in San Antonio trying to figure out where the fantasy value is coming from because they don't even play at that fast of a pace. I have some fears, as you may have noticed, with this San Antonio Spurs team. Curious to see if any of these guys actually get drafted. I'd be willing to take a chance on any one of those three dudes late in a draft, but I don't think I'm doing it before even the middle of no man's land. I mean, you're looking at 100 or later for me on all of those guys. Rudy Gay, I'd go earlier. I think I'd take him. I bet he doesn't go until around 90 in a lot of drafts. I bet you see him slip because he is a quiet nine-cat dude. So put him on the list of guys that Bespris is likely targeting. He's your Dan Bespris old man squad guy. He's the easy one. Now, the rest of the Southwest Division is screwy. (laughs) The rest of the Southwest Division is stacked with rosters that are all kinds of goofball. The Dallas Mavericks, who now work Kristaps Porzingis into the mix. The Pelicans in the post-Anthony Davis era. The Grizzlies in full rebuild and the Houston Rockets. Now, the question is, do I want to make life easy on myself, or do I want to make life hard on myself? And the answer is, I always want to make life easy on me. So we're going to do the Rockets on today's show. And tomorrow and Wednesday, when I talk to Neil and then Brandon, respectively, we're going to ruin their days by covering the Grizzlies, the Pels, and the Mavs. And I will give the two of them no choice on which teams we cover on each day. In fact, I might just announce it right now. I think we're going to do... Let's see. Who draws the short straw here? (laughs) We will do the Mavericks tomorrow and the Grizzlies and Pels on Wednesday. I figure the Pelicans are kind of a fun one. They're screwy, but they're fun. And then the Grizzlies are kind of like screwy, but a little bit less fun. And the Mavericks... Well... That's what tomorrow and Wednesday are for. The Houston Rockets. There's a long break in my speech here, which I know drives a lot of you crazy. 
But the simple reason is it was a two-man team. I mean, that's not entirely true. I know a lot of people you heard heard me say that and you were like, Dan, get out of here. Stop it. But come on. This is a two-man team. Are any of you all that worried about what I'm going to say about the other guys? Well, you should be. See what I did there? That's like, uh, you guys got to go watch Mr. Saturday Night, Billy Crystal movie from quite a long time ago now. See what I did there? Everybody on the in the on this face of this earth and this planet is going to be talking about James Harden and Russell Westbrook. And they should, because those are interesting basketball players that are primed for a very interesting season playing together. They're both going to be inside the top 100. James Harden is going to get drafted inside the top three. And I think in nine cat, he's going to be number three this year. Russell Westbrook is going to get drafted probably inside the top 20. And truth be told, I don't know what the hell is going to happen to his free throw percent. Because if he fixes that, he's an easy top 15 guy, even in this new situation. He just has an unbelievable fantasy game. Completely ruined by one of the worst free throw shooting numbers in the NBA. He turned himself into a punt free throw guy somehow. Mental block. Maybe looking at a different set of rims in Houston will cure what ails him. I honestly don't know. I'm not going to be the guy that takes a risk on it uh, outside of head-to-head formats. I think head-to-head you could take Westbrook and just hope, you know, he has a good week and then a terrible week and a good week and a terrible week, and you just sort of swallow it down with hopefully other decent free-throw shooters on your team. Roto, you just can't take that risk. If he's as bad as he was last year, he's going to cost you four points in free throws, and you're going to have to spend a second-round pick to get him. Maybe a first in some spots, because people still love that damn name. Uh, And so it's one of those things where, much as I want to say I'm a good fantasy analyst, there is no way to know what's going on between this dude's ears. I mean, this is an 80% foul shooter until the last couple of seasons. And all of a sudden, he just, his free throw number fell off a cliff and just getting worse by the year. It's the weirdest damn thing. It's extremely strange, and it's very much mental. It's pretty clearly mental. He shot 85% of the free throw line uh, three seasons back, then dropped to 74, then 66. I don't know how much lower this thing could go. Roto, you can't roll the dice like that. Head-to-head, you can, because what if the free throw number is good again? What if you got him at 24 and his free throw number is fixed? You got a near first-round pick at the end of the second round. That's a huge get. But Roto, you just can't do it. Where's he going to end up? I don't have the first bleeping clue, because if his free throw numbers still suck, he's going to be number 35 to 40. And his free throw numbers are good, he's going to be number, like, 14. I don't know what it's going to be. I don't know what's going through his head. I'd have to sit down with him for 12 hours to figure this out. And hey, dude ain't doing any 12-hour interviews. James Harden, by the way, he will take a little hit this year. He's still going to be outstanding. Uh, but, you know, looking at last year, Anthony Davis was right behind him. So any little slippage. And no, I'm not worried about AD in, in Los Angeles. All the stuff he does well not going to be carved into by the guys he's playing with. James Harden, on the other hand, a lot of the stuff he does well will get carved into by Westbrook. By the way, hot take. Houston wins the West in the regular season. They're the number one seed going into the playoffs. There's my hot take for the day. I think this Houston team's going to play hard as hell. There's no slowing down with them. 
But that's Westbrook and Harden. That's the fun names to talk about on the Rockets, but it's not the guys that are actually going to win you your fantasy league. And I may have overstepped a tiny bit by saying the guys that are going to win your fantasy league. But we do have to mention Clint Capella because even though he disappeared and turned into a total pumpkin in the playoffs, he had a brilliant regular season. He averaged almost 17 points, almost 13 rebounds, 2.2 combined steals and blocks on a medium volume, 65% from the field. He was, I believe, the single greatest positive impact field goal percent player in the NBA last year. Ahead of Rudy Gobert. Ahead of Giannis. Now, he can't shoot free throws still. Shot 64% at the line, but he only took four per game. So you can kind of swallow that down. You can bury that. He's not a punt guy the way that, like we were talking about, Westbrook. Clint Capel is going to be good again this year. And in fact, he's going to be good because he's going to be on the floor with someone who can feed him every second that he's playing. He's a second-round pick. And he'll probably get drafted in the third. So I think he's going to be a value this year, which is weird to say. It might not be a massive one. You might have to get him at, like, 26. But I think he'll be better than that this season. The only thing that I worry about a little bit with Capella, does his rebound number come down from 12.5 to, like, 10.5? Which would drop him from 20 to 25 to 30 range. But, I mean, if you're drafting him at 26 and he finishes at 26, that's a great early third-round pick. You don't need your third-round pick to be a second-rounder. That'd be great. You just need it not to be a sixth-rounder. You need those early picks to match where you pick them. At worst. And Capella is definitely that guy. So three easy ones on this team, finishing inside the top 100. What about the peripheral guys? Eric Gordon? No. Stop it with the Eric Gordon stuff. People are gaga over Eric Gordon. He was number 149 in 9-cat last year. There aren't that many guys that can average over 16 points a game and be that useless in 9-category leagues. He's down there with, you know, the Timmy Hardaways, the Harrison Barnes, the Jordan Clarkson. Spencer Dinwiddie was down in that zone. Spencer Dinwiddie, there was a time that he looked like he was ready to rise in the fantasy ranks, and then his defensive stats went poof. Nothing. Eric Gordon, same problem. Bunch of three-pointers and a terrible field goal percent. No thank you. I don't care that you can get a guy hitting three threes a game at the very end of your draft. I don't want that. It's not worth it. He hurts you. In too many things, his rebounding is terrible in 32 minutes on the floor. His assists are not good for a guard. Steals? Blocks? I guess the blocks actually are fine at .4. medium volume? No. 78% free throw shooting last year? No. No, 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 no. He will not be inside the top 100 in it. Like this year, it won't be close. Gary Clark? No. I know I'm dancing around one name that you guys are interested in. Austin Rivers? No. Tyson Chandler? No. Gerald Green? No. Ben McLemore? No. Daniel House? No. P.J. Tucker? Honorary member of the Dan Bespris Old Man Squad who will absolutely have a job this coming year, and it'll be an easy one. He played all 82 games last year. He started all 82 games last year, averaged 34 minutes per game 
and took a shot roughly once every six minutes on the floor. That's hard to do. I mean, he was not involved at all on the offensive end of the floor. And when I tell you these numbers, you're going to be like, that sounds god-awful. 7.3 points per game, 5.8 rebounds, 1.2 assists, 1.6 steals, half a block, 1.8 three-pointers, 39.6% shooting. You just heard me complaining, by the way, about Eric Gordon's god-awful field goal percent. And yet, somehow, that guy in nine-category leagues was number 89 on a per-game basis, top 90. And by totals, well, you know it's higher because I already told you he played all 82 games. But I might as well tell you what it is because it's fun to talk about. By totals, he was number 51, guys. 51! Blows your mind, doesn't it? You know who number 55 was? Danny Green. You know who number 57 was? Derek Favors. You know who number 59 was? Darren Collison. Ugh, you idiot. Why would you retire on me? Brutal. That 50 to 60 range on totals was a who's who of Dan Besper's old man squatters. Tucker, Green, Favors, even Ingles was in there. Collison. I mean, that's crazy. These are guys drafted from 90 to 130 last year, and they finished between 50 and 60 by totals. You gotta love that. P.J. Tucker, on a per-game basis, number 89 last year, I mean, that's a narrow window to fall out of the top 100. He will not make the top 100 because... Russell Westbrook is going to take a few of his rebounds away, and that's a big deal for someone who's not doing much in the other statistical categories. However, he is unbelievably durable. He will play 78 or more games, and he will finish inside the top 100 on a totals basis. So, three on a per-game basis on the Rockets will finish inside the top 100. Four on a basis of totals, because P.J. Tucker will sit at about 104. There, I planted my flag in that one. Uh, and he will be an honorary member of the Dan Baspers Old Man Squad because you can draft him at a buck thirty-five, and he will be much better than that when this season comes to its thrilling or not so thrilling conclusion. I also thought I'd do something kind of hot takey on uh, on today's podcast, and that is, I was in the shower on Sunday, and I thought to myself, who do I really think is going to win the West? And it's by the way, that's why I mentioned the Rockets earlier. And so today, on today's podcast, I'm going to predict the entire Western Conference all the way through to the finals. Number one seed, the Houston Rockets. Number two seed, the Utah Jazz. Number three seed, the Los Angeles Clippers. Number four seed, the Los Angeles Lakers. Number five seed, the Denver Nuggets. Number 60 seed, the Golden State Warriors, number seven seed out west. The Portland Trailblazers and the eight seed just slipping in by the skin of their teeth. The San Antonio Spurs not making the playoffs in the Western Conference that many folks hoped would. The Sacramento Kings on the outside looking in. The New Orleans Pelicans the Dallas Mavericks, and the Minnesota Timberwolves will not make the playoffs in the Western Conference. 
First round matchups in the Western Conference. Houston will defeat the San Antonio Spurs. Utah over the Trailblazers. The Warriors and the Clippers is going to be an epic battle. And the Clippers will upend the Golden State Warriors. Lakers will beat the Nuggets. All top seeds will win in the first round. Second round, the Lakers will upset the Houston Rockets. The Clippers will upset the Utah Jazz. And in the Western Conference Finals, the Clippers will beat the Lakers to go to the NBA Finals. Mark it down. I'm putting my flag in it, guys. It's time to get silly. You guys obviously realize I don't care if that's completely wrong. I'm a fantasy analyst, but I thought I'd have a little fun with it here on uh, August 19th, especially now that Boogie went down. I think I actually had the Lakers going to the finals before Boogie got hurt, but uh, I'm going to give the Clippers the edge now because that to me was that he was the key to the Lakers getting past the Clips. A constant advantage at the center position between he and Anthony Davis on one side was the avenue. And now when AD's not at center, Montrezl Harrell is going to stomp on somebody. He'll just go through JaVale McGee. The Lakers do something like Bring in Dwight Howard. God. Oh, heavens to Betsy. What would I like to see in the Western Conference? I'd actually like to see the Spurs finally miss the playoffs. Uh, and I'd like to see a team like the Kings or the Mavs sneak in there. I just, I don't think that's going to happen just yet. I actually don't know that the Kings got better season over season. I thought they got older, but I don't know that they got better. So there's your Western Conference. There's your uh, Houston and San Antonio breakdowns today. Again, tomorrow, I already forgot what team I said I was doing with Neil. Mavs tomorrow, I think, and then Pell's Grizz on Wednesday. Uh, the big news of the week, doesn't matter who I'm breaking down the next two days on the podcast. Uh, Neil and Josh, by the way, Thursday, Adrian Coach on Friday. The big news, of course, the draft guide. Friday, 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 Friday. Mark your calendar right now. Pause the podcast. Mark your calendar. Draft guide out, 1399. Comes out Friday. Friday, 12.01 a.m. Pacific time. It's dropping. The countdown is on. Ladies and gentlemen, we cannot wait. It's going to be so bleeping good. Start saving up, man. Skip two uh, Subway sandwiches this week so you can get the draft guide. And get it early before the price goes up. It's the smartest thing I can tell you. Uh, also, if you love these podcasts, please do take a moment to rate and review, especially on iTunes. That's extremely helpful for us. I am Dan Vespers. This is Fantasy NBA Today, a reasonably length episode of this show, if I do say so myself. A little under 45 minutes. Good job, Dan. Uh, at Dan Vespers on Twitter, please do give me a follow. Again, rate and review, buy the draft guide. All that stuff is this week. It's a big, big week here at the Hoob, and we're happy to have you with us. Again, back with Neil tomorrow. We'll talk to you then. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.